Welcome back to another episode of FCS Delivered, presented by FedEx Ground. I'm Craig Haley, along with co-host Gary Reasons. Gary, we're going into week 11 of the regular season, just two full weeks of the regular season remaining before the FCS uh, selection show announcing the 2014 playoffs. Where has this season gone, Gary? Oh, it really has. It's just flown by, Craig. And you know what? All of my on-campus visits, they've all been great. Uh, but now we're in the heart of the conference races. There's no doubt about that. These things are solidifying right now. And, and obviously, we've got that selection process underway here. The, the committee is definitely going to work, and we're going to have a chance to visit about that here in just a minute. Yes, uh, uh, terrific episode. Hey, we're not, we're not going to look back too much, Gary. I mean, usually we'll review. We'll do a little review, but we want to look forward. And that, that includes uh, looking at Week 11's you know, monumental games that affect conference races and, and postseason bids. Uh, and we're going to also do that with our special guest, Kent Haslam, the d athletic director at the University of Montana. He is the chair of the FCS Playoff Selection Committee. He will be our special guest here uh, in segment one. And of course, in segment two, we're going to visit, uh, you're going to have your on-campus visit to this week's, uh, one of our recipients of FedEx Ground FCS Awards. We're looking forward to that as, as well. Uh, you can find uh, our podcast on so many platforms, you know, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google Podcasts, and many more. Of course, we're on YouTube, uh, our YouTube channel. Just search for FCS Delivered, and you can see our episodes, and, and especially Gary's on-campus visits, uh, just terrific uh, material to watch. Now, Gary, last week, week 10, we had our first FCS uh, playoff bid go out, Furman in the Southern Conference. What do you think of the Paladins? Uh, no doubt about it. They had a great season, a great run all along, and I, they're building, Craig. That's a good thing for them. I think they're going to be very, very potent. You know, they see, we've seen them move up in our poll, the Stats, top, Stats Perform Top 25 poll, consistently throughout the season, and I think they're going to be there in the hunt. Yeah, uh, number two now, the Paladins, the last two weeks. Uh, they beat Ch Chattanooga to get into the playoffs. Uh, their 20th all-time bid, it's just amazing seeing, you know, some of these numbers that these schools have been in, in the playoffs. Playoffs obviously date back to 1978, uh, the first year of the FCS. Uh, our FedEx ground game of the week, well, South Dakota State, uh, number one in our poll, 23rd straight win, beating their rival, North Dakota State, 33-16. to 16. I tell you, the Jackrabbits ever, every week, they just impress, Gary. Yeah, they're strong. They, they can run the football. They're powerful. You know, we talked about that game last week, Craig, on our show. And, you know, I, I thought that South Dakota State was going to handle them pretty well, and they did. Uh, and, and North Dakota State, they're just not their old selves. The Bison just aren't, aren't the same team that they were over the last several years. So, you know, that's just kind of a little bit of a changing of the guard here. Potentially South Dakota State's just going to stay there on top, and we'll see how far this run takes them. It's a good point uh, about the Bison, Gary. I mean, they are not the same old Bison. And, and incredible stats. Since 2016, the Bison have 13 losses, and seven of them, over half, are to the Jackrabbits. It just shows you how things have changed, more so in the last, you know, 12 to, to 15 months. Uh, incredible run here for the Jackrabbits, and, and they keep it going, of course. This week they're at Youngstown State. We had we, another top uh, uh, top seven game last week that to, to mention montana they were number four then uh they beat number seven sacramento state handily 34 to 7. uh this week montana's up to third in, in in our uh stats perform fcs top 25. what did you think of that game gary 
Well, I, another powerful team. You know, we're seeing great football out of that conference, and Montana has definitely uh, showed up consistently. And I think that the, they're definitely they're, they're they're positioning themselves for a great, deep, potentially playoff run here. And uh, I think it's good for them. <laughs> well, Montana is just on such a roll. Uh, Clifton McDowell, uh, 97-yard touchdown pass to Keelan White, uh, school record. Just they dominated Sacramento State. Now. 97-yard touchdown run. I know somebody who would be a little winded by that, and not just us, Gary. It'd be Kent Haslam. He's the athletic director of Montana. Uh, I believe it's his 12th year as athletic director. But he's on his sixth year on the FCS playoffs uh, selection committee. Uh, this this year, he is the chair of the committee, his final year on the committee. And, and as we know, on November 19th, the FCS playoff selection show will be on ESPNU, 1230 uh, PM Eastern, uh, 10 conference champions, 14 at large bids, 24 team field. Mr. Haslam, we are thrilled to have you join us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm still winded from watching that 97 yard <laughs> touchdown. Uh, great to be with you. Thank you so much for spending the time. First off, thank you so much for what you do to promote FCS football. It's, it's an outstanding brand of football. We love it at the University of Montana proud to play it and, and thank you for all that you do well it, it's a pleasure to cover and, and gary you know three-time all-american at north northwestern state so he's well entrenched in in, in fcs lore now just kind of tell us where your, your, your 10 member committee stands going into the final two weeks of the regular season before the selection uh pairings are out we really have uh it up it's we we're busy really busy uh we're we're meeting uh, multiple times a week. We do our national vote each Tuesday. Then uh, Wednesday, we get back together to review that top 25. We're in the thick of uh, looking at host bids. Uh, we are uh, communicating with schools that have the potential to host, to answer questions, to take a look at what those bids look like outside of the financial guarantees. And so um, it's a big time. The NCAA is working really hard and, and our 10-member committee watching a lot of football and evaluating teams and slowly starting to, to I think, work down that what uh, that that list of con under consideration teams. Now, Kent, you're in your sixth and I believe your final season on the on the selection committee. And, you know, there's always going to be different levels of experience amongst amongst the, the team there. Why don't you talk about that that learning curve process as you bring new members on and, and some are leaving? Well, depending on how the uh, the conference appoints members to the committee, uh, most times these committee members have spent time on what we call our regional advisory committees. The country's divided up into four regions. Uh, there are members of those committees that are a member of those committees that sit outside of the selection committee, athletic directors in those areas, and so that gets you a good idea of what goes what goes on. It is an adjustment. Part of it is just learning the operational side of it, how to vote, how to log. Uh, um, be able to see all the statistics the NCA plays, getting used to some of those type of things, which we work through during the um, the weeks leading up to Indianapolis. We do a, a couple of mock selections, so there's there's some onboarding, but there's no doubt there's there's a bit of uh, of trying to understand and understand the time commitment that it takes. But we've got a, a number of new committee members this year, but they're fully engaged. They share their opinion. And really, as the chair, that's my goal is to pull those opinions out of people to make sure we don't have consensus in that room, but that we're talking things through. 
Ken, obviously everybody's looking towards your committee to, to you know, see what the pairings are going to become. Now, on, on the college, uh, on the FBS level, CFP, they do six reveals of their rankings, you know, leading up to, to the, uh, the, the, the announcement of their field. The FCS moved back to having a public reveal two weeks ago, but it was the only one, uh, and it was four weeks out uh, from the selection show. Why only one? And, you know, the first year you, your committee did this, it was 2016. You had three of these reveals leading up to Selection Sunday. Why only one? Because they get outdated pretty quickly. They do get outdated really quickly, Craig, like the next week. And so, um, <laughs> you know, I, I can't, I don't, I don't honestly remember why we moved away from them. I, I know um, if you get too early, I, I could foresee there being more reveals. Uh, this was was getting back into that that situation this year, and I think it went pretty smoothly. Um, part of the struggle is if you get too early, there's just not a lot of data points to be able to to evaluate teams, and um, and so as you move through uh, and you get further on, it does make it much easier. I would like to see uh, maybe one more reveal too. I'd be great. Um, there's just so much that moves in FCS. It'll be the same in the FBS, but the FCS, in a way, we're not a, we're not a we we don't get great regional matchups early in the um, in the non-conference play, and so it gets you really difficult to be able be able to evaluate teams. So getting further along does help. Boy, once you get in those conference competitions, they're just kind of eating each other, beating each other up. You're moving teams within, but. Uh, I could foresee us um, moving to to more reveals. I won't be on the committee; it'll be someone else's decision. But but I I liked it this year. I thought that it it brought some attention and it gave us a chance as a committee to really focus in on our top ten. And we worked that process pretty uh, pretty intently. Kent, the committee meets virtually all season, and you know then you congregate in Indianapolis over the you know the final weekend of the regular season. So can can you break down the selection process on the Saturday before the November 19th announcement for that 2014 pairing? And really, how late does the committee go into Saturday night or, or Sunday morning? Well, uh, I've officially uh, adapted to Eastern time when I arrive in Indianapolis. So uh, my body's a little better at 2 a.m. Eastern than, uh, but but that's about the time many times we are, we are breaking up and then right back at it Sunday morning early. It really depends on how quickly you can feel the field. I have been on this committee where it has been just laborious to get teams 23 and 24 in, and the seeds were pretty clear. And then I've had it flipped where the field was pretty clear as you started to move through it, but the seeds were really tough. So we start out, uh, we arrive Friday in Indianapolis. We'll meet initially there. We'll talk about teams that are under consideration from each of our conferences. Then what we go through a process about two o'clock, yeah, maybe a little later, about three o'clock Eastern time, we'll start, we'll be watching those final games. We'll be recording those auto bids, who's getting those auto bids. And then we start the voting process. We start with a with a field of under consideration. Uh, in order to get in that field, you need 30% of the members votes. After that, we start to fill the field with at-larges. The rules with the NCAA are that no more than half of the available slots can go in at a time. So that first vote, when you've got 14 open, only seven can get in. 
You don't have to vote for seven, but uh, that starts to fill the field. Then you must have 70% of the vote or seven seven voters uh, to get in. Uh, I can never vote for Montana. I leave the room when Montana is discussed. If Montana gets in the bracket, I'm out of the room when the bracket is set. So I don't influence anything downstream. But that's the process. As we work through getting down to those last four and two teams, it really does become uh, it becomes a debate and a healthy real debate, which is which is really important. I think the takeaway is it might be that sleep is is optional for the committee, Kent. <laughs> it is. It really is because you're pretty ramped up. I mean, in my case, you know, you, you can't separate out that that's the really the biggest <laughs> game of the weekend for at Montana with that Montana Montana State game. So you're kind of geared up for that anyway, and you're watching it on TV and. Uh, but there, there is, and 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 uh, that Sunday morning comes really early because we come back together. Because if you have a tendency, we need to rethink this. We need to look at if we've missed any things. The NCA is in there to really help us make sure that we're good principles that are set in in setting the field. Regionality, uh, no matchups in the first round between teams that have played each other. Conferences, not too many conference teams on one side of the bracket. All these things that have evolved over time. The NCA is in there to really help us make sure we we don't do anything inadvertent. Sure. Now, strength of schedule is always important uh, when you're evaluating uh, different resumes of teams. Can you kind of discuss strength of schedule? And I'm kind of interested in, in the KPI that's sort of a trial program. You know, this this metric yeah. that's uh, been introduced by Kevin Palga, kind of a virtual snapshot of, of a team's resume. Is that factor in the KPI that's a tri trial program this year for strength of schedule? It does not factor in this year. It's only a trial. We're using it as a pilot program. Uh, if it if it seems like it it matches, if it, if it's we like it as a committee, then it will go on and become one of the official uh, committee evaluation points next year. Uh, we we have not we're not using the SRS this year. and so um, strength of schedule uh, for me again. We have 10 members of the committee and every member looks at things differently, which I think is very appropriate. So I want to speak on behalf of what's really important to me. Uh, but strength of schedule for me is important. Uh, like I mentioned before, there are times in the FCS where, if, if, for example, if an FCS team plays in their non-conference, they play three non-conference games, they play two FBS teams, and then they play a non-division one. It doesn't give the committee a lot of points to evaluate what your schedule is really like, then you get into the conference and you just are playing each other. So for me, I like to see uh, teams that challenge themselves and then a conference that's, that's really, really difficult to work your way through week in, week out. That's a, that's an important uh, data point and evaluation point for me. As you start to line teams up that you're comparing, uh, that resumes look really similar, but you start to line teams up, you're looking for points where uh, where there are separation, and that can be one of them. Ken, I believe committee members, they're kind of autonomous, and you know, you're giving them the ability to, uh, to review the, the different evaluation of the team resumes as they, as they kind of see fit. So, so what are your uh, individual beliefs on evaluating a particular team's resume? I like, if there's any head-to-head, -head, I always like head-to-head -head common opponents. Um, I, I will be one that will uh, take a look at quality losses, uh, but eventually you've got to have some wins. You can't just have a resume full of quality losses. Um, but uh, really that, that where you have challenged yourself and then what your conference brings, 
I, I remind people that um, our job as the NCAA football committee is to get the 14 best at-large teams in, regardless of where those teams come from. And uh, there's 10 auto bids. We work on the 14. And so for those 14 at-larges and then the seeding, obviously the bracketing is the next step. But uh, I look at what those teams have done um, in comparable points to others, primarily those head-to-heads and those strength of schedules and what they've done uh, on the road, I think really important as well. So, so kind of as the selection process is under is ongoing, <laughs> excuse me, and you're putting teams into position, do the committee members, are they able to see each other's selections? No, you're not. Uh, no, um, everything is done uh, by secret ballot. Uh, I cannot, uh, I cannot recall a, a visual vote that I have ever been a part of. Um, but no, it is all done uh, through a secret ballot. And uh, you, you dismiss you just dismiss ads if they're if they're on the board. We have the opportunity this year. There could be a number of athletic directors that are asked to leave. When you look at the membership of this committee this year, uh, there will be teams that will be or athletic directors will be asked to leave because they'll be up for at large opportunities. So uh, we don't uh, we don't see what other people vote, and um, and that 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 allows you to not. Uh, feel obligated to vote for somebody who you can't dismiss. There's 10 of us. We spend a lot of time together. We become, become friends and you, you're, uh, you're all working at the same thing, but it allows you to really do things anonymously so you can vote how you, how you genuinely feel. Ken, you, you mentioned the at-large selections. What do you find to be the most difficult aspect of so- selecting the final at-large bids? And, and maybe even what's most difficult with, with seeding the teams? It's those, it's those comparable points. That's, that, that can become the most difficult thing. There's so, if you think about a sport like a, a basketball, for example, where you play 30 plus games, um, you've got some, you've got enough data and run that you can, you can see and build patterns that most difficult is, is certainly um, lack of comparable data. And that's where a, ref, a reference back to part of it is I think teams putting, uh, putting themselves in a good position by what they do scheduling wise. Um, but uh, I can't tell you how many times you've sat in, I've sat in that room and on the whiteboard, you're just writing up all these data points, no logos on the top. You have no idea who they are. And you just, you have to look at how they've done against teams that are already in the field or how they've performed on the road or top uh, 25 ranked wins, you know, all those things you're really looking for things to separate, separate teams out. And that's when it becomes, becomes the most difficult is, is the, you know, the second or third best team in the OVC better than the sixth or the seventh in the Missouri Valley, based on what schedule they've had to play conferences. We're one of them, the big sky where everybody doesn't play everybody. And so where have they played those teams? Who have they had to get through to get to that record? Those are those things which you really are trying to, to digest through and stay focused on that I am. So, Kent, in, in the sports world, no matter what the 24-team selection looks like on November 19th, there's going to be criticism from fans, schools, coaches, you name it. Well, how does the committee deal with that? Well, uh, I'll learn this year. It's always been – we just always blame the chair, and so that's been our great out. You know, it's been Jermaine or Thorbjorn or someone else. But uh, I'll learn that this year. Um, 
you know there's going to be criticism. You also know you're making decisions that are impacting student athletes and their ability to, to continue on competing in this championship, which I think is just an outstanding event. And so uh, those are taken very, very seriously. I, I hope that's obvious to everybody. Um, but you, you try to, you, what you do is you, you try to stay consistent. You try to stay uh, fair in your evaluation and, um, and then be able to explain the best you can. I, there's ten, like I said, there's 10 members of us. We see things differently. And uh, like I said, that's, that's, not, that's not unhealthy. I think that is healthy. So like anything in criticism, athletic director, I think we're, we get kind of used to being criticized. And so you, you learn to just have, how to deal with that. Gary and I are visiting with, with Kent Haslam, the, the chair of the FCS Playoff Selection Committee. Just, just a couple more questions here. Kent, the criteria that, that the committee uses with the selection of, of the, the 2014 field, what would you like to see added or, or change with the criteria? Well, I would like to see more data on the evaluation process, and I think we will get there. Uh, we are in a world where we really love to have computers tell us what, what we should buy or where we should go or how far it'll take us, how long it'll take us to get there. I think there's times that we, we, we rely too much on that. There's gotta be the human element, but adding in some um, projective data and some results-based data, I think KPI and some others, I could see us adding two or three, two or three uh, points. Uh, I think though the, the overall option done a better, uh, or the criteria that's listed, the things that the committee may use to evaluate teams, I think it's pretty pretty solid when you start to look at head-to-heads and, and uh, uh, division one opponents and uh, you know all those different things that are listed throughout that criteria. I don't have it right in front of me. And, uh, but I, I think those are pretty good points. Getting some data that we can compare again, like I mentioned, I've said this multiple times, we just having out-of-conference data points is, is really, really important. Well, Kent, last question here. Earlier this year, there was kind of a push to kind of seed 16 teams, not just eight, and yeah. taking the bid process, you know, for home games out of the mix there. And is there any likelihood we're going to see uh, the 16 seeds in 2024? Well, the great thing about being the outgoing chair is I can promise whatever I want. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do think there is. The, the NCAA Transformation Committee came out and and one of the, the recommendations was to expand the fields of championships opportunities. I think our size is good. Uh, 24, I think, is a good number. However, uh, as, as opposed to expanding, let's seed one through 16. I remind people, this is a regional-based tournament that determines a national champion. That will get you into some interesting matchups in those in those first and second rounds that then can lead downstream and, and impact that as well. But I, I think that would be a really good addition to the championship. It would allow us as a committee uh, to not uh, be so worried about uh, regional, regionality and all that come into play, that the bids opening up, that the financial guarantees and the impact that those have. Uh, I would really like to see that change. And I think there's good momentum for it. And I'm hopeful uh, that in the upcoming years, uh, we'll be able to do that. And it will create a better, just national national competition. We heard it here first. Yeah, I mean, this, this has really been uh, tremendous inside uh, information here uh, to learn about the process from, from Ken, Ken Haslam, uh, the University of Montana Athletic Director. He's the chair of the FCS Selection Committee. 
Uh, November 19th on ESPNU, we will see the 2014 FCS playoff field, 1230 Eastern. Uh, again, 10 conference champions get automatic bids, 14 at-large teams. Quite an endeavor that, that Mr. Haslam is leading here. Kent, we really appreciate your time, and, and we thank you for giving this inside look to, to the committee. Thank you for having me on, and I appreciate that opportunity to be able to do this. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Well, we will uh, take a break from FCS Delivered, and we, we will be back uh, shortly. Rehearsals for the school play were really coming along. Bigger smile, Mr. Squirrel. Until a custodian accidentally threw away the costumes. Oh, no. Everyone was rattled. Miss Garrity forgot how to play. And the queen of the hedgehogs almost quit. Find a new queen. But replacement costumes were shipped with FedEx. And with added peace of mind from picture proof of delivery, everyone could focus on the perfect opening night. FedEx, where now meets next. For residential delivery only. Welcome back to FCS Delivered, presented by FedEx Ground. Gary and I uh, just visited with, with Ken Haslam, the uh, chair of the FCS Playoff Selection Committee. We're looking forward to that 2014 field. Now we're into segment two, Gary. Where's Gary this week is what we always ask. Uh, we do our FedEx Ground FCS National Awards, the Team of the Week, and four different player awards. Who do we have this week, Gary? Well, I'm going to take off and start here with the offensive player. The National Offensive Player of the Week was Jawan Howell, running back from South Carolina State. Hey, just a true freshman. And South Carolina State beat Howard 27-24 and knocked the Bison out of first place in the MEAC. So he, this young man had 27 carries, Craig, for 283 yards and three touchdowns. And he had an 85-yard touchdown rush. So he rushed also for 10 first downs in that victory. So Jawan Howell, our Offensive Player of the Week. Wow, what an amazing day for Joanne. Gianni Smith is our uh, FedEx Ground FCS National Special Teams Player of the Week. Gianni's from uh, uh, Portland State, the place kicker. They lost to UC Davis, but what a day for Gianni. He had a 42, a 51, and a 55-yard field goal, second longest uh, in Portland State history, the 55-yarder. Also perfect on a couple extra points. Gave him a career-high uh, 11 points. He also averaged over 63 yards on his six kickoffs. Great performance by Gianni Smith of Portland State. Yeah, very good job there. Our freshman of the week is Malachi Hosley running back from Penn. 23-8 win over Cornell, and that was actually Penn's homecoming. And the young man had 21 carries for 261 yards. My goodness, two touchdowns along the way, a 68-96 yarder. That's a couple longest offensive play in Penn history. So that's pretty good stuff. So our freshman player of the week is Malachi Hosley. Our national team of the week, Nichols. They won at uh, number eight UIW at the time in the Southland Conference. They won 45-32. Nichols ended UIW's 15-game home winning streak. They moved into first place in the conference. They were down 10 to nothing when they made their just amazing run here to get the win. Uh, Colin Guggenheim had a big day on the ground, 153 yards, four touchdowns. Jalen Spears had 160 yards on the ground. Devontae Matthews, their safety, just had a long uh, fumble return touchdown, also a, a long interception return. Just a great performance for Nichols. Uh, Tim Rabot's squad, uh, terrific job as our national team of the week. 
Yeah, congratulations to the Colonels. They've got an opportunity to cement the conference victory this week, so good luck to those guys. Hey, I'm going to talk about defense here. This national defensive player of the week goes to Keenan Leachman, who's a free safety from Alcorn State. He was a grad transfer from Northwestern State, and they had a 44-21 win over Southern in the SWAC West. Puts him in the first place there in that showdown. And he had a strip sack turned into a 27-yard fumble return for a touchdown and also an 88-yard pick six plus another interception. So a monster game for Keenan Leachman, our National Defensive Player of the Week. And that was our FCS National Awards on-campus video. And it started for me, I went from DFW all the way to Jackson, Mississippi. Then I took a 90-minute drive from Jackson down to Alcorn. And it's about a 60-mile drive that I took on one special road. It's called the Natchez Trace Trail. If you've never been on it, take it. It's a beautiful drive, and it's a great way to go down and see Alcorn and literally nothing there. So we'll roll into our on-campus visit here, and you'll see that Alcorn State University is a is a gem. It's a university that is, you know, kind of takes you back in time, but it's got great facilities for their student athletes, and it is somewhere where I think that is is fun for athletes to play. They've got tremendous facilities with their with what they're very proud of, and they definitely display that pride all over campus. And I believe the football team is really really coming into their own here under Coach McNeil and McNair, and that's a pretty good job. They've got a lot of assets on campus that they that they deal with, and they like to share those with, with the folks there. They have big crowds, over 12,000 attendants per home game in that stadium, and that's amazing for, for the Braves and their football program. They've got championships that they've won, and certainly a lot of pride in that in that program. And it is a really prideful program that you that you like to see and how they run their practices and how they do things. It's all about the purple there, and the Braves have done a great job. So Keenan Leachman, who is our award winner, we went out to see him, and he's a, a tremendous young man. And he came in there as a grad transfer, and he just melded right in with his team. He's got teammates with him, Craig, that really just kind of like him. And you see what he does here: makes a stop, pulls the ball out and then takes it down the field for a, an uncontested touchdown there. That was the first of two touchdowns on the day for Keenan. Now you see him getting one in the air and he takes this back all the way to the house on a pick six interception return. Never really heard of a game like this as a defensive player. I know a lot about defense. The monster game that he had, he had another interception in the game following that, but that was kind of it for him. And so we had a chance to honor him and see him with his teammates. And it was really fun for us to be there. And Coach McNair gave us an opportunity to speak to these young men, and uh, I really enjoyed visiting with them. And here he was. So here's here's uh, here's Keenan Leachman, National Defensive Player of the Week award. The Keenan Leachman, Alcorn State. What a great time over there at, at Alcorn, and I really enjoyed visiting there and on the campus and. And Craig, it was one of those places where, you know, you just kind of look, it kind of takes you back in time. It's got a lot of tradition there, a lot of history and a very prideful university. I tell you, we, we see the atmosphere at HBCU games and here in the SWAC. Do you get that same vibe as well, like on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, at the university? I think that's just how they roll. And the answer to your question is obviously <laughs> yes. You know, they, they have a confidence. They have an ability to entertain. They have an ability to have fun. And that's what sports and athletics are about. 
and it's, that's not lost on that coaching staff. Those coaches, they're, they're, they coach a little bit loose. They like their players to be loose. I think that that is a, an opportunity for them to excel on the field, and they do it. And they, they have a, uh, they're having a great season so far. So they're definitely in the hunt there again for a potential uh, championship. And uh, that's going to be uh, you know, big news there for the Braves. Fred McNair and his staff, I tell you, I always stop when I hear just the, the name McNair and Alcorn. It just, you know, leaves you. Wow. <laughs> well, great video, Gary. Great, great on-campus uh, visit uh, FedEx Ground, FCS National Awards. I uh, love to see your video each week. You can see it on our YouTube channel in case you're, you're listening on one of our podcast platforms. Gary, we're going to take a, a break here from FCS Deliver, and we will, we will be back right after this. When someone accidentally threw away the school play costumes. Oh no. Replacements were shipped with FedEx. And with picture proof of delivery, everyone could focus on the perfect opening night. FedEx, where now meets next. For residential delivery only. Do you like what you're hearing on FCS Delivered today? For more national FCS coverage, please go to theanalyst.com throughout the week. We're the home for the FCS Top 25 Media Poll and the weekly and season-ending FCS National Awards presented by FedEx Ground. We also take you across FCS Nation with stories, predictions, and an inside look. The FCS coverage can be found at theanalyst.com. Welcome back to FCS Delivered, presented by FedEx Ground. We're in our third and final segment, Gary Reasons and I. We've been talking, about the FCS playoffs, you know, conference championships. You can see all our coverage on theanalyst.com, you know, our our FCS awards, also our top 25 media poll, uh, which everybody looks to on a Monday to see who's rising and falling. This week, uh, great week for a couple of conferences. The Big Sky had four of the top nine teams. The Missouri Valley Conference had six of the top 15, which they've done before, but never this late in the season. We only have two weeks left of the regular season. Gary, I, I tell you, I'm looking forward to week 11. And, and you know, going into the, these final two weeks, maybe the best race could be the, the CAA, uh, Richmond, uh, no, Villanova, uh, Albany, Delaware, Elon. They're all tied, a five-way tie top the CAA. Is this the best race? And what's the big one in the CAA this, this, this week? Well, there's no doubt that this is a, a prominent race. I mean, you got five teams all vying for that championship. And how is it going to unfold? We'll have a few games going there. We'll take a look at one of these games here. Elon, that's going against Richmond. And, you know, Elon won uh, two in a couple overtimes last year. And so Elon quarterback Matthew Downey, he's hot, though, Craig. And But I think that Richmond, though, at home, they're going to utilize Coleman and, and Wickersham and, and probably get a home victory here for, for that football team. So I think that they're going to spoil the Elons, what the, what they're coming in there to achieve and, and get to get a victory at home. Gary, there are a few games that I'm flip-flopping quite like this one this week. Elon one minute, Richmond the next. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with the Spiders at home, and I'm going to go with mainly because they're coming off a bye. You need a little rest this time of the year. Elon with that tremendous – 33-27 win at Delaware last week kind of created this five-way chaos atop the CAA. So I'm, I'm just going to go with Richmond coming off the bye. Now we go down to the SoCon uh, where we talked about Furman is already into the field. But one team that's trying to get an at-large bid would be Mercer. 
they're they're seven and three. This is their final regular season game. They're hosting Sanford, last year's champion. Sanford's gotten hot again, but if Mercer wins here and gets to eight and three, you have to think that's going to get them an at-large bid, which would be their first ever. I think that there's an opportunity for them to get that at-large bid, especially if they put a strong, solid effort together here, closing this thing out here with a, with a, a good, strong victory over the last week or two. Uh, I think that Mercer definitely has an opportunity. So, you know, I think, Craig, at Mercer at home is really going to be the difference here in this football game, and I'm going to go with with Mercer. I agree. Last year's game was tremendous. It was the final week of the regular season. Sanford won 50-40. to 40. Michael Hires had a huge day. Ty James, the uh, uh, wide receiver for, for Mercer, he had 351 receiving yards in that game. And Mercer actually didn't even get the win. So I, I think he has another big game. And, and Michael Hires for Sanford will have a big game. But I'm going to go Mercer at home as well. There are three nationally ranked uh, games in, within the Missouri Valley uh, where top 25 is playing top 25. Uh, the one that stands out to me is number 11, Southern Illinois at number 12. Uh, North Dakota State, and, and it's the reason is the loser here, as good as these teams are, they're going to be three and four, the losing team in the Missouri Valley after this one. I'm going to go uh, North Dakota State at home, but uh, you can certainly see the Salukis getting it done, Gary. Yeah, I, I like the Salukis, uh, you know, with what they do with, with their quarterback, Nick Baker, and I, 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 I just don't think, though, they're going to have enough to get it over the hump, though, against the Bison at home. The Bison have had some tough losses this season, and it's not the season that they've had, they, they'd like to have. But I do think, Craig, that they're going to pull this one out, you know, against, against that football team from Southern Illinois. I think that the Bison get this one. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, Nick Baker has seen a lot of time against, against the Bison. He actually played in the 2018 game inside the Fargo Dome. And in the spring 2021 game, he was the starting quarterback when the Salukis ended North Dakota State's 39-game winning streak, which is a record for, for the FCS. But staying within the Missouri Valley, Gary, and staying in the, the top 10, North Dakota, number 10, at South Dakota, number 6. This is the third straight game for South Dakota that they're playing a top 10 opponent within the conference. Who, who pulls out this win? I think the Dakota Dome is going to have something to say about who wins this ball game because the crowd is going to need going to be in there. You know, this is a pretty pretty impressive facility that they play in. It's the third straight top ten opponent for for South Dakota, and I, and I think that the this football game sets up for South Dakota. I think Coach Nielsen is going to get his team ready to play and get focused on this on this victory. So I, I've got the I've got South Dakota in this one, Craig. North Dakota does struggle a little bit on the road as, as good of a program that Bubba Swigert has. I, I'm going to agree with you and go the, uh, the Coyotes at home. Southland, we already talked about Nichols. Uh, they were our national team of the week. This week they can clinch the automatic bid in the Southland if they defeat Lamar. Uh, I tell you, that's a tough game because Lamar's had a bounce back year. I, I think I'm going to go with Nichols in this one, though. I, I like your pick here, Craig, and I, and I think that Lamar has really been the surprise of the conference because not really had any anybody really thought that they were going to be as prominent as they have been over the course of the season, but they have shown up time and time again. But I think that Nichols found something last week when they beat the team, the, the conference elite, UIW, and I think that put them over the hump. Obviously, the running attack that, that Nichols had was very, very powerful last week with Colin Guggenheim and his, his other running back mate getting both of them over 150 yards rushing in the football game. That was tremendous. 
I've got the Colonels at home winning the conference uh, championship here uh, in 2023. Now our FedEx Ground FCS game of the week, it's a year in the making, Gary. It's Southeast Missouri at UT Martin. UT Martin's 21 in our, in our top 25 poll. And the reason I say it is because last year, these two OVC teams, they did not play each other in the regular season. They tied for the OVC title. They went through some tiebreakers to determine who gets the automatic bid to the playoffs. It went. The final tiebreaker was a coin flip. SEMO uh, Southeast Missouri won the coin flip and advanced to the playoffs. UT Martin was seven and four, but did not get an at-large bid. So that's kind of been a storyline for a long time. Uh, now they play in the Big South OVC Football Association. Both conferences came together on a 10-team league this year. They're both right there. UT Martin is in uh, first place, hosting SEMO, who's alive in the playoff chase. Gardner-Webb is also alive out of the, the Big South. Wow, this is like a year in the making for this one, Gary. It's going to be a fun ball game. And you got a couple of rushers in this ball game that are look, looking at some numbers here. First for, for Tennessee Martin, UTM. You know, you look at running back Sam Franklin. He's got 1,095 rush yards, and that's fourth in the FCS. Then you got Simo, Gino Hess. He's got, he just needs 59 y- yards to get 5,000 career rushing yards. That's tremendous. So, so UTM, they have four FCS losses by a total of 10 points this season. So I think that UTM, I think they're going to be too tough at home here. To, uh, and I think they're going to pull this victory out, Craig. UTM has been excellent at home under under Jason Simpson, who's just a tremendous coach. SEMO, you're right. Those close losses, they, they're snake bitten this year. And, and this seems like it will be a close game. You know, whether they have enough, they've gone through a, a change of quarterback because of an injury. But I, I agree with you. I'm going to go with the Skyhawks at home. Uh, UT Martin to stay alive in the in the Big South OVC. So there's a great uh, schedule of games this weekend, Gary. We're week 11 of the regular season. One more to go after this before the announcement of the uh, FCS playoff field, 24 teams, the pairings on uh, November 19th. And of course, this week, Gary, we had Kent Haslam, uh, the chair of the selection committee as our special guest. Uh, just a highlight of the show along with your on-campus visit to, to Alcorn. And just looking at this schedule, Gary, I, I am just ready for this weekend and, you know, the rest of the month heading towards the playoffs. Yeah, the picture comes into focus just a little bit more clearer after Saturday's events. And, and also, I get a chance to figure out where in the heck I'm going to go this week for our on-campus <laughs> visit. So that's always fun for me. And uh, you and I collaborate on on where that, where that happens. So uh, it's a fun weekend, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. You've had 10 on-campus visits. Just You've been everywhere, Gary. I, I, I tell you, it's been thrilling to watch. We'd like to thank FedEx Ground and, and Stats Perform for, for bringing you FCS Delivered and, and, of course, the on-campus visits. Seth Biley and Graham uh, Bell are our producers making this all happen. Uh, you can find all our coverage on theanalyst.com and on X uh, under, uh, at FCS underscore stats, S-T-A-T-S. Also, we're on uh, Instagram and Facebook. Gary, I'm looking forward to it, and I, you know I hope you enjoy the games and, and safe travels with, with, with your next on-campus visit. It's been quite the show this week. Yeah, I, I've enjoyed this. Really enjoyed the insights from Kent and talking about the selection process and the committee and what's going on. And, uh, you know, that selection uh, day is coming up very, very quickly here, not very far away. So we're looking forward to that and, and obviously the rest of the, the last two weeks of the regular season here in the, in the, in the FCS. 
Well, we thank everybody for, for tuning in this week to FCS Delivered, presented by FedEx Ground, and we will see you soon.